Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 108, recorded June 26, 2020. Today's segments include what you're working on. That's about it. (laughs) Sit back, get comfy, and let's get crafting. So Erica, what have you been working on this week? Um, this two weeks, uh, we didn't do one last week. I forget why. I was probably a child emergency of some variety. Um, this week, I have actually started a new knitting project. Bum, 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 bum. I honestly cannot remember the last time I started a new knitting project. I started a new crochet project, I feel like, last episode. Um, but this is a new knitting project. Celebration or... Uh, Because I was learning about it and reading about it um, for Juneteenth, um, I wanted to um, uh, kind of explore some of the black indie uh, designers and the patterns they have have written and published um, to to kind of get inspired and uh, and try something new. And um, so I found a pattern and a designer that I really liked and I cast it on. Um, it's called Castle of Dreams, and the handle on Instagram is Jimmy Knits. Um, I didn't pull up the actual name of the designer, um, but she has many uh, cool and interesting looking patterns. She has several sweaters, which I would like to do, um, but it's taking me so long to finish projects at the moment. I thought something a little bit smaller than a sweater would work well. Um, and this one is a kind of an open work um, shawl with a beaded edging that I'm really liking. And once I got going with it, um, it's a very like intuitive pattern, uh, which I really like. I don't like to have to keep referring to a pattern. I like to be able to um, just sort of mindlessly make stitches happen um, and not have to think too hard about it. Um, and once you get the design set, that, that really works. And what yarn are you using for this piece? A hand spun yarn um, of mine. I say hand spun, it's two thirds hand spun. Um, I spun a braid, a four ounce braid of fiber um, in all different, I would call it clown barfy kind of colors. Um, the red and yellow and green and blue, all pretty saturated, almost like Crayola. It's got bits of carrot in it too. Colors. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed the spinning of it. It felt, the, the uh, fiber felt nice to work with. Couldn't tell you where it came from. It wasn't one of Dave's hand eyes. I probably got it on a fiber event, but I mean, years and years ago, I don't, don't remember at all. Um, Erica's fiber stash is very well curated. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last year for Tour de Fleece, I, um, which is a spinning challenge thing, it's actually gotta be coming up soon. It's coming up. Like in a week's time or so. Yeah. Um, I pulled out that singles that I had spun, um, and I don't really, I prefer to work with plied yarn. I just do. Um, but I didn't want, if you, if you ply that kind of clown barfy colored yarn, and I'm, I'm using that term in a, in a loving way. Like I chose the fiber and the colors because I liked them. It's just, that's the most, that's the easiest way for me to describe colors that look like that. Um, but if you apply that with itself, um, you get, it's too much. It's too much look for my preferences. 
Um, so I wanted to ply it with a solid color, um, but I didn't have a solid colored spun single of mine that matched that would work with it, and I wanted to finish it. Um, so I grabbed a skein of a lace weight yarn that I had got, um, I think the last time we visited England. Um, it was not a brand that I'm familiar with here. Um, so when we went, and I mean, that was before the kids were born. It's been a long time since we've been to England. Um, but it wasn't a yarn that we could sell, um, that like, it wasn't from a, a fiber vendor that we, uh, work with. Um, and so it wouldn't be a yarn that I could like work with and advertise, um, or tell people where they could get it, even if they just wanted some, um, and it was a lace waist, but it would have taken me forever. So I knew I wasn't going to use it, um, as it was. So I decided to go ahead and ply that with my clown barfy yarn. Um, and the yarn, it was a lace weight alpaca in like a tealy seafoamy kind of color. Um, and so I applied it. And so I have these, this one color that is the same all the way through. And then this sort of self-striped, um, it's like a tweeted kind of self-stripe effect with that blue running through it. It's yeah. pretty. I, I am liking it. I'm liking how it works up. Um, the only, I didn't have beading, appropriate beading equipment, um, I didn't have a crochet hook that was small enough to put through the beads that I had. I tried one version of beads. I had some metal ones that were big enough to get the crochet hook size that I did have through um, because when I want to start something, I want to start it right then. Um, so I did that. I didn't love the way that it looked. Um, and so I went to the local big box um, craft supply store because that is what is available. We don't really have a beading store near us. There's one on the other side of Indianapolis, but it's a kind of 45 minute to an hour run over there. Yeah. So um, and so I got a smaller crochet hook um, and some green glass beads um, that I am liking the way that it looks. But I did decide to go ahead and leave the metal ones that I put on at the beginning. Um, and I'll do the same thing on the other side. So like the first um, section of beads will be the same on the right side and on the left side. Um, I did also have a couple of um, beads and like dangling beads in the shape of stars. Um, and the, this pattern where the beads are, it's on a, um, I want to call it a pico. It's not, it's not really a pico. It's longer. It's like a hanging down triangle and you put a bead at the tip of the triangle and then three more beads above that. Um, so I really liked the way that the star hanging down from the very tip of the triangle looked. Um, but I didn't have enough of the star beads to do the tip of every triangle that I'll be making. So I decided to go ahead and put it every third triangle. So I have two triangles that are just the green beads and then the third triangle is the star and then the green beads. Um, and so I'll do that. So I get a little bit of star, but it's not so much look and I don't run out of star beads. Um, because cute. all of the beads came from Recraft, a secondhand crafting shop. Um, and so it's not like I can go back and get more of the star beads. So Dave, that was a lot of me talking. Why don't you tell us what you've been working on? Um, so, talking of Recraft, um, we have another project going on using materials from there. Um, I decided um, to do a bunch of truck refitting before we head back out onto the truck. Um, we'll tell you a little bit more about our plans um, going towards the end of the podcast. Um, but as part of that, I am refitting the roof 
Um, I've never been very happy with uh, how the paint effect that we put on the roof, uh, on the inside of the roof, uh, really looked, um, and how we'd kind of done some upgrading of the electrics on there, how it how it kind of looked with the electrics going over the top and the, the, the way the wires kind of ran. So I wanted to hide all the wiring we put in, um, insulate the roof, and make it look a bit more attractive. Uh, so the project I'm working on right now is decoupaging an entire ceiling. Um, <laughs> Which is a little Speaking bit. Speaking of a lot of luck. <laughs> it's a little bit mad, um, but I think it's going to look really cool. So, what we did is uh, talk to Bethany and basically asked kind of. That's what, the owner of Recraft. Um, what, what craft magazines do you have that are, are just not super popular? Uh, she ends up with a lot of craft magazines and a lot of them kind of out of style. Um, so, she dropped off with us a box of um, various kind of fibercraft related magazines. Some of them were kind of mixed, older magazines. Um, a lot of the older ones have like sewing and knitting and crochet combined, which is kind of interesting. Um, but we have some really cool vintage patterns in there as well. Um, and what I'm doing is taking some big foam tiles, um, the kind of insulation foam you just get at the big uh, hardware store, um, and decoupaging the entire lot. Um, so it's taking a little while, but we're getting there. I've got uh, two of nine tiles left to do, um, and then it will just be a case of uh, putting those up and basically patching in the gaps where I'm building those uh, to finish off the entire piece. I think it's going to look really cool. I'm maybe coming around to it. So the, the giant foam things, they're like five feet tall by eight feet long or something. They're really, really huge pieces. Um, and so we've just been putting them on. I say we, I helped like a quarter of one of them. Um, and then my backer and I go to bed earlier than Dave. Um, so he's done almost all of it, uh, but put them on the dining room table, um, basically like drizzle Elmer's glue all over them and then put entire sheets, like full pages out of the magazine um, over them so that you can cover a lot of area quickly and then put more glue over the top of it. And, and, and then I'll be putting a coat of uh, polyurethane over the top of the entire thing so that will make it waterproof um, and hold up really well and uh, give us some more insulators, uh, more solid looking ceiling. That's a bit more interest to it. Um, so I'm working on a, a lot, a lot of interest to it. It's, I have a hard time visualizing things, so I will be intrigued. I think this is either going to be amazing or horrifically awful, and I'm kind of on the fence about which way I think it's going to go. I'm, I'm going for amazing. It's going to look really cool when it's done. Um, so uh, we're we're getting there. I've, I've nearly finished that project. I'm going to try and get the last two sheets decoupaged this afternoon, um, as the kids are not here. Um, and then that'll let me do the polyurethane, uh, hopefully tomorrow once those have dried, and then start fitting the tiles in later this week. Um, I've also been doing a lot of other work on the truck, so um, we have uh, created and fitted a new stair rail, um, which is a lot so easier to get better. there now. So much better in every way. Um, a lot more stable, a lot longer. Um, so uh, we're really happy with that. I've been repainting all of the um, stairs themselves and the back kind of bumper of the truck and making uh, all of that um, kind of getting it against rust proofing it's all motor steel so it needs to be rust proofed uh, once every year or so um, with a new fresher coat of black gloss I've gone ahead and just fixed all those niggling things on the truck repainted the blackboard in the truck area um, to put our regular stops on we're going to put uh, new um, blackboards and 
um, other kind of signage in there as well. Um, set up a new um, or reset up a new pattern zone. I've got some new ventilation that we're adding into the doors. We have our solar panel finally fixed up and Hooray. ready to run the front. We've had um, that in our garage for more than a year. We just never had time to attach it. Um, and the way I wanted to fit it originally didn't really work because of um, we were going to originally put solar panels on the roof, um, and that doesn't really work due to like the number of low-hanging branches and stuff we go past. Um, so I have uh, taken the panel we have and actually have it so it's portable uh, set up, so it hooks onto the front of the truck while we park. Um, I'm also doing some upgrades of just really cool little extra things. So um, the curtain through into the cab uh, now is set up to work really nicely, so we can now uh, use both the front and back entrances. I'm fitting the um, the waterproofing we had for rainy kind of drizzly days, um, so that works better. Um, and also, I've got some cool flags which I'm going to dye up to use as uh, open signs. So if the flags are out, you'll be able to tell that uh, the truck is open. It will show you which entrance is open to. Um, so we'll have flag brackets and those can fit in on the side of the truck, so you'll have some nicely coloured, kind of waving brightly coloured flags to see too. Um, so I'm doing lots and lots of little things on the truck. Um, if you've not been on the truck before, uh, it won't be noticeable if you have. Um, hopefully it will make it seem just a little bit more um, finished. A lot of the things that we wish we'd kind of done um, and had time to do when we first launched um, have all been fixed. So I'm feeling pretty good. It's It's been a, it's been a labor of love to, uh, to get all these little niggling things uh, done. And as with everything with uh, trying to convert an ex-FedEx truck into a yarn store. No one really makes equipment to do that, so a lot of it is trying to work out which parts... Um, Shocking! Uh, um, which parts and pieces are going to work exactly for what I want them to do. So there's a lot of unusual hardware involved. Um, for example, the new uh, stair rails are made out of uh, galvanized water pipe. Um, but... I think those work really well. They work really well. So... Um, when you see it back out, it's going to be new and exciting and uh, fully finished. So, Erica, what else have you been working on? Um, I continue to do a lot of gardening. It's my stress relief sort of thing. Um, in this year of crazy that's happened. Um, and I have started seeds and seedlings for like a late summer slash fall garden, um, which I have never done before. Normally I basically plant seeds on in the ground or put plants in the ground on Mother's Day in May every year. And that's the garden. Um, and so, but this year, um, some things haven't worked as well as we wanted them to in the garden. We It's the first year, um, the, the beds are brand new. Some of them we constructed in interesting ways. Um, and so there's a lot of plants have done fantastically and I think we're going to have huge yields. Some plants, not so much. Um, it's also weird weather because it's always weird weather. Um, we built a lot of the beds um, with a lot of kind of wood mulch and um kind of compost material from our own yard that was a lot of it was turf and things like that that we didn't really expect to do well in the first year just because they, they need, need some to time to, to break down and actually form soil from the material we put in them so the things that have gone in those beds aren't doing so well but the things that have gone in the constructed beds are doing really well yeah um so i've yeah i've started i have 
18 of the like four cell seed things that you buy at the store. Um, we had some in the garage left from who knows what, and we've bought some plants that came in them. So those, those little plastic trays. Are Probably just... five years of buying tomatoes. Yeah. Um, so I have a, like one of those big Tupperware things um, that I have 18 of those four packs in and I planted each of them with different variety um, of, of stuff. Basically anything that I thought would work well at, to be started and it would have enough time to become a vegetable before the first freeze here. Um, so I've got all kinds of stuff. Beets and radishes and okra which I think we'll, we'll get some okra from. That one's kind of the, the most questionable. Broccoli rob. Um, I've got some fruit bushes, wonderberries and strawberry spinach um, which we planted outside straight into the beds twice. Um, and they would sprout as seedlings, but they're tiny. Um, and we put such a healthy layer of mulch over the garden beds that itty bitty teeny tiny seedlings are hard because they're not big enough to get through the mulch. And like we, we push the mulch away to plant the seedlings or to plant the seeds in the actual dirt and compost that was underneath. But one strong gust of wind. But yeah, the wind blows a couple of pieces of mulch back over the things and they just didn't, it just didn't work. Um, so I'm growing them in seed cells and I will transplant them out um, and we'll see if we, if we get some. Both of those are supposed to be very, like they tend to reseed themselves. So they're both annuals, but they almost act like perennials. If you have a patch of them, they drop enough seeds that they will grow there the next year as well. Um, so I'm hoping that we can save some seeds from those and, and have them again. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, but it has been ridiculously satisfying to me to look at this, like the big tote of, of seedlings, um, to the point where like I brought them into the dining room table to sit in the cool and just stare at the, at the seeds. That's not weird at all. I think maybe, <laughs> maybe it is really weird, but I don't care. Um, it's just fun to watch, um, how like some things like the chamomile seedlings sprouted straight away. Those were the earliest, fastest ones that came out, but now they're only just have the very tiniest of the, the beginnings of their first set of true leaves versus, um, uh, some of the other things like the radishes, um, didn't, didn't, uh, emerge from the soil until yesterday. And now they have their full, full first set of leaves. Um, and those are not a regular radish. Um, we got regular radishes and daikon in the garden. These are a um, like podding radish. Um, I would call them rat tail radishes. So they um, produce like a bean that tastes of radishes. Um, so we have a, a few unusual varieties in there and some stuff that we've uh, kind of starting to start for our late summer fall garden as well, not just things to fill in uh, gaps. So as stuff comes out, uh, we're hoping to kind of do a cycle through and really push into the fall and winter as well. Um, We've so, got yeah. some row, some like frost protective row cover to put. Um, we'll probably, as we really get into the fall garden, we'll probably plant. We have three, like 24 foot long, three inch or three inch, three foot wide beds. Well, my plan is, is we will, we'll concentrate on getting one of those like truly planted at first stuff that we plan to t to grow into the fall and winter as much as possible um and then we have a row cover that will cover basically that whole um bed with is kind of my thought so that's like 
arugula and spinach and carrots and Swiss chard and we have uh, tatsui uh, and Asian green um, radishes I think can go um, that kind of stuff so it'll be interesting to see what happens I'm excited for the uh, the daikon those are really those are really getting big now they are um, so I accidentally pulled one because I forgot that they were daikon and the roots are pretty long <laughs> <laughs> so three varieties of radishes not too many right um, so the kids and I like to go out and survey the garden every day um, and the kids are really excited about getting to pick stuff to eat so we, I looked for those like I had to look for the biggest leaves of the radishes and then pull out a radish but I forgot they're kind of planted next to each other the daikons and the regular like red radishes um, I think they're called breakfast radishes but radish always seems like a weird thing to eat for breakfast is that like do normal people eat <laughs> it's called radishes French breakfast that's breakfast? a regular uh, popular variety I don't know why they're called French breakfast okay I, French I people eat radish for breakfast. Don't believe that <laughs> I have ever eaten a radish for breakfast. But okay, if it makes you happy, that's what you should do. Um, so the, the kids pulled out. The, it's like a long, skinny, white little rat tail um, out of the ground. And I thought, huh, that's not what those radishes are supposed to look like. So daikons, they're used more for like stir fries and stuff like that, but they get really big. They're a uh, kind of Southeast Asian, like East Asian radish that, yeah, they get huge. You can use them kind of cooked or raw they, you find them in a lot of salads and slaws and um stir fries and stuff so yeah. yeah i must think of them like shredded in almost like a coleslaw kind of yeah. thing yeah on like a banh mi sandwich and things like yeah. that um so yeah we've been, doing, we've been doing lots of lots of things um well in the garden what is another thing that you've been working on um, down in the dye studio, I have been prepping all kinds of things. So um, I have finished dyeing all of the um, special edition yarn for Festival Season Box 2, um, which is due to ship in about a week's time um, on July 1st. Uh, and then I am getting prepared for Box 3. Uh, box 3 is going to be called Growth um, and features a skein of my twisted branch yarn um, in a kind of um, what do they call it an iris colorway um, some really interesting greens mixed with a really uh, bright splash of purple um, I've designed a cute little uh, leaf um, needle gauge and will uh, be featuring this time a good friend of ours Jen Davies who runs uh, Burr Oak Studio uh, he recycles knitting needle, um, uh, old aluminium knitting needles to make jewellery and all kinds of things. So a little kit from her. Um, we have also been working hard on the festival season front to find some black artisans to work with uh, from Indiana. I actually managed to get three lined up uh, going into the fall. So hopefully the next three boxes, once I finish uh, kind of knocking out the details with them, um, will all feature local black artisans. Um, and then I have some more contacts lined up to talk to uh, for later in the year and into the into the next year. Um, so we're really adding some extra uh, diversity to the artists we're going to be working with, which is great. I found some really cool um, people we haven't worked with before. Right, and it has led us uh, to find a bunch of things that although not necessarily work for the festival season's box, are just excited to try. There's a really neat coffee roaster um, on the north side of, of Indianapolis. 
um, that I really wanted to go up there and get some of their coffee beans. Um, so yeah, we've got a co- lot of cool stuff coming down there. Um, I've also got um, lined up another round of Feast, um, our super chunky to die. Um, that's been going really well, uh, especially on Etsy, even though it's the middle of summer for some reason. Um, so I'm working on uh, doing another round of that, have the yarn base to die. When I get some time, I'm going to be uh, starting working on getting new dye lots of all of those. And then um, after that, um, developing stuff for festival season boxes, but also potentially future lines, I ordered in a bunch of samples from um, one of the mills that we work with of um, some DK to sport weights and a couple of Aaron weights as well to play with. So you may well see a new full winter line come out from us. Uh, we found that um, over the shutdowns and even before then with all the festivals and stuff, uh, our hand dyes are really the most popular thing on the truck. Um, so it's good for us. Uh, we enjoy doing them. There's something really unique um, that we kind of get to design and have kind of total control over. So we uh, are going to be continuing to kind of grow and expand those um, and fill in some more gaps in our line. So you'll see some new stuff coming down the road eventually. So lots of experiments going on in the dye studio right now. Yep. And I, uh, my... My uh, contribution to that is pretty much making happy noises when I like the colors. <laughs> and helping me pick the bases as well. Yeah, um, um, we got a lot. What you think is, is going well, because I, I, for a long time, would be the one who was in the store more and actually seeing what people were buying and, and reacting to. Um, now with Erica driving the truck, like unless we're both there together, she sees all of that and gets the customer uh, kind of feedback and sees actually what's uh, what's selling off the truck. So um, she's a much better position than, um, than I am at this point to say. Kind of, well, we except we haven't been out with the truck since March and it's now almost July. Well, it's true, but uh, up to that point, like yeah. knowing what people have asked for in, in the past. Yep. Um, we got a lot of positive uh, responses on social media when I shared the picture of the um, some of the new yarn bases that came in for us to sample for the Tweedy one. Um, it's a white yarn base um, that already has like flecks of flecks of dark brown and black wool in it. Um, and so when you dye it, the dark brown and black take the dye differently than the white, obviously. Um, and so it gives a really fun effect. We've dyed. Dave has dyed this style of yarn before for our um, special edition yarn for the retreat last year um, and it came out really well uh, so I think that may be what we're leaning towards um, if it's, we're going to introduce a new fall. It's high on the list. Yeah. It's high on the list. But it also showed up more interesting in a picture because all of the other yarns were just white. <laughs> so <laughs> I liked the way it felt and I, I think it would be fun. But, but I like some of the other ones too. But when we've had tweeds on the truck and in the in the store, they've always been popular. Um, people like the tweeds, um, especially a, a tweed that feels good. So I think this was, I think this would be popular. I think it's pretty. Yep. So Erica, what's next on your agenda? Um, sewing. I have been doing some of that. Uh, I, what have I sewn? I sewed myself the weird dress. Um, you did say a very weird dress. The, the gathered one? Well, it was more that it was made from a bed sheet. Um, well, I make things from bed sheets all the time. <laughs> Never full dresses before. <laughs> anyway, um, I... 
I go in fits and starts with a lot of my crafting things. I learn about something new or get excited about something and go full on with that thing until I lose momentum and find something else that is new and shiny that I want to try. And then I go full steam into that thing and abandon the original thing. Um, so I spend long periods of time not doing much sewing and then I do tons of sewing for a while. Um, so I had a bit of a sewing kick um, for, uh, for a week or two. Um, I made, Dave needed some new pajamas. Um, we're, we're both staying in our pajamas a lot more than we used to um, because we're not leaving the house. Um, and uh, he'd ripped all of his pajamas that he had a bunch of times and you'd, it, like it wasn't on a seam, it was kind of just the fabric and you try to fix it and sew a patch on it and then it rips in the same place again or all around the patch. So they had been patched and repaired as many times as was possible, and um, he just needed some new ones. Um, so I was looking through my fabric stash. I wanted something really nice and lightweight um, to, to make them from, uh, just because it's stupid hot and our house does not have air conditioning, um, except for the window air conditioners, um, which makes recording kind of not fun because you have to sit inside and turn the air conditioner off because it's too noisy to have on in the background. Um, just imagine us hunched up on microphones and sweating to produce this podcast. <laughs> Such hard work. Um, so I pulled out several um, several sheets. I'm a big sheet fan for, for sewing fabric. Um, I... <laughs> Having the moral like qualms that I do about the fast fashion industry also extends to fabric production. Um, and so I, plus I'm cheap. So those two things dovetail really nicely together and mean that I really like to pick out nice um, natural fibered sheets from charity shops um, that I um, can use for fabric to make different things. Um, and that also has the benefit of, uh, those are not items that get purchased all that often. So they're not like a, something that's in high demand. Um, especially if you have like unmatched ones and, and things like that. Um, so I feel good about those, especially for like test for testing new patterns or trying a new thing that I'm not hundred percent sure about. Um, because if it doesn't go well, um, it doesn't feel so sort of wasteful. Um, and like it has such big environmental impacts. Um, so anyway, I pulled out two sheets, a dark purple one and a light purple one. Um, Dave's favorite color is purple because he has no qualms about conforming to gender stereotypes, <laughs> which I celebrate. Um, and he picked the dark purple one, but I liked the light purple one. So I decided I wanted to make something for myself out of it. So I made up a dress, um, that was 100% designed on the fly by the sheet that was left of quilt, uh, of uh, sheet fabric, because I'd used the sheet to make something else. So there was already big like chunks cut out of it. Um, and I thought it was kind of cute. It's, it's very cute. I forget what the, the uh, piece for the front came from, because I definitely did trace like the, the, the bodice part. Um, definitely did come from something like it was a pattern piece that I traced, but I don't remember what pattern it was from. I have a bunch of patterns. Um, but then the <laughs> skirt was, I just cut the, the, as wide a piece as I could get from the thing. And then I just pleated it. 
um, pleated it up. I had not ever done, it's kind of box pleated, um, which I hadn't done before um, since I didn't like use any measurements or like have guide or like little like marks on the fabric about where I should put the pleats. What I ended up doing, I do this a lot. So I sell a lot of um, like t-shirts and, and stretchy shorts like pajamas for the kids because um, it turns out two and four year olds grow when they need new things. Um, and so I put a lot of like neck bands and leg bands, um, and arm bands on clothing, um, and to get them pinned into place correctly, especially if you're using stretchy fabric, like t-shirt fabric, um, what I do is I fold the, the opening. So if I'm talking about the, like a sleeve, you take the, the end of the sleeve, um, and you fold it in half and you put a pin in each of those and then you fold it in half the other way to make the two pins that you just put in touch each other in the middle and then you put two pins on the other side. So you have exactly evenly spaced, um, divided your, um, your opening um, of your sleeve into quarters. And then you do the exact same thing with the band that you're going to put on the sleeve and then you pin those four um, sections together and then that kind of gives you a good way to, to do that so generally bands are smaller than the hole you're putting the band on um, so you know how much you need to stretch to kind of get it even whereas if you didn't do that and you just tried to eyeball it you'd have like one section would be super gathered and then it would be no gathering at all in another area so this helps you kind of get things more even so I used that same premise um, to attach the skirt of my dress to the bodice of my dress. Um, I divided the bodice into four and I divide, I, so the, the uh, length of fabric that I was gonna use for the skirt, um, sewed that into a tube and divided the top of that tube into four. Um, and I put those in place and the, the bottom of the skirt was almost twice as big around as the top um, of the bodice I was putting in. So I had a lot of fabric I needed to ease in and this is not stretchy fabric. So if you're working with stretchy fabric, you can just pull um, the one that's smaller, you just pull it and it stretches to the size of the one that's bigger. Um, you can't do that with a sheet. Um, the sheet doesn't stretch. Uh, so I just kept dividing. So I took the, the quarter that I had and folded that and put a pin in the midpoint halfway on both of them and pinned that and then I did it again. So I think I ended up with like 36 pins um, all the way around evenly dividing the shirt or the skirt um, and then the since I had so much more fabric for the skirt um, that's stuck way up um, so there was like a two inch gap between pins um, on the bodice but there was four inches of fabric for the skirt um, so I just took that four inches of fabric and smooshed it flat um, to create a, a box pleat essentially um, I have no idea if that's how you're supposed to create a box pleat. That's just what I did to make four inches fit into two inches. Um, just call it America pleat. And yeah, it's a new thing. Um, but I, I really liked it. I that it's almost I would have almost called it like a baby doll style dress. Um, it's there's no buttons, there's no zipper, there's no anything. It's just um, a like a tank top top. Um, that's pretty high. It's like a, probably an empire line. I think that's the right word, like just under your boobs. Um, and then a really full skirt with box pleats there. So it's, to me, it had like a baby doll dress feel. I'm not real fashionable, so there, but that's probably not the right word, but that's what I would call it. 
it's never a style of garment that I have ever put on my body ever in my whole life. It's just not something that I've ever been drawn to try on. Um, but I kind of liked it. Um, it, it was, it's one of those that's fun to spin because your skirt floops way out. It suited you. Yeah. It suited you. And you got it done in like an hour and a half. Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> um, and I put pockets on it, which makes everything better. I don't know where that is now. I haven't, I have, obviously I haven't done laundry since I wore it the first time. Um, you think you're making another one out of something that's not a bed sheet? You've got some other big pieces of fabric? Like yeah. Fun print or something? Yeah. Um, I thought about, so there was a... Just thing. not a red and white dot scene. I'm not playing Mickey Mouse. Or Minnie oh, Mouse. Oh, that would look... <laughs> that would look a lot like Minnie Mouse. Maybe less so like Mickey Mouse. Um, didn't he wear, like, overalls? I can't think of what Shorts. Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse wore. And the only thing I can think of that Minnie Mouse wore is a bow in her hair. Anyway. A big, a big red spotty dress. Um... So that was a fun, um, a fun little project. What got me on the sewing kick was sewing um, swim suits for the kids, and then for my dad, and then for Dave. Um, I ordered some new swim fabric in, which I haven't done for ages, um, and did um, did that. So that got me on the kick of just sewing. slowly waking up from quarantine slump as well. We both getting back into kind of things we have been doing and getting back on track. It was. Yeah, this, Lames. I obviously, no one expected this and nobody knows the right way to deal with it because this isn't a thing that has happened at the scale in anyone's lifetime. Um, that's not true. I guess 1914. Are there, yeah, there's still people alive. Anyway, the uh, four, is it, are we four months into quarantine now? Ish. Something like Somewhere. that. Um, it's been it's, interesting. It's, it's quarantine. It's been interesting to navigate the emotional responses um, of the four humans in this household. <laughs> our two and four-year-old are young enough that I'm, not, I mean, they know there's something, but they're not, like, they weren't in school, so it's not, I don't know. Um, but we've done a variety of interesting things, sort of, as our quarantine, pro quarantine project, quarantine projects. <laughs> Um, we made a list, like on the first day, I don't, I don't kind of want to find that list, um, when we thought it was going to be two weeks, like we thought things were shutting down for two weeks and then they would be back again, we made a list of like, these are the projects we would like to accomplish during those two weeks. I know for a fact that hanging up the curtains in the kitchen was one of I think that's about things. the only thing. And, and we have not done that. Yet, yes. Um, we've done most of the other house projects. We've done a bunch of garden projects. Yeah, way more garden projects than, than other things. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else to talk about, or are we kind of wrapping it up? Um, I think we can kind of wrap it up for now. It's been a little bit rambling this time, but... Uh... Yeah, I'm hot. I'm kind of grumpy. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to kind of wrap it up now. Um, do watch out. Soon we will have some information about... Um, how kind of the reopening of Nomad is going to work. Um, we have been talking to a couple of local places about uh, doing some kind of hyper-local stops um, leading up kind of at the start to mid of July and then throughout kind of the rest of the summer, slowly going back to some of the places that um, we have been uh, regular stopping at the past or changing up some of those stops slightly um, as we've got some um, new partners that we really are interested in working with. Uh, when we reopen, we will be requiring compulsory masks. Um, they are known to stop COVID uh, spreading, and we will also be restricting the number of people on the truck at one time. Um, to so, basically one person or a family if you already came with those people. Yeah, if you came in the same car, yeah. um, then we will let you on the truck, but we're going to be... Uh, 
being very careful to make sure that we are not uh, a plague wagon. Um, so um, keep your eye out for that. Um, I'm also going to be doing again this weekend um, another sale Sunday. Um, we did one two weeks ago. Everyone really loved it. Um, I'm always finding um, some new things I'm happy to put up as bargains. Um, so we're still doing sale Sunday. We still have our mystery boxes available and when we get head back out on the truck, um, we're planning to do some real uh, fun specials and mystery boxes you can pick up in person, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, also, if you're planning to come to the full retreat at this time, um, the full retreat is still going ahead. It's not until October. Um, we will be doing some extra precautions and, and limiting our capacity a little bit more than we normally do. Um, so we're still working on plans for that, but we will have some information out to everyone soon um, about exactly how that's we plan for it this time to work. So um, watch out for Nomad coming out of combination. Um, and you can We're still find us always online um, and on IAC store as well. Um, so go check us out there. Yep. We're thinking the first or second week in July um, and kind of having a regular once a week stop in Plainfield, right right where we are. Um, and and try that a few times and kind of see how it goes and see how, how people are feeling and how we are feeling. And we do plan to come out as soon as we really feel that we can out to like Terre Haute um, and Greencastle and uh, Bloomington, as we know you've all missed us. Um, so we do want to get a little bit further afield. We want to make sure that everything is set up and everything is as safe as possible before we do that. Yep. Okay. Um, so thanks for listening and have a good week. Yep. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarchup.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.